0: in non-essentials liberty in all things charity now here's dean
1: thank you rachel joseph appreciate as always your kind opening for our gathering together in this venue and a welcome to all of you who've joined us for another edition of in all things this is a podcast for the EPC, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, but we certainly hope that you will share this with your family, friends, members of your congregation, coworkers, that it might be a mutual encouragement to them too. Some of our podcasts are very EPC-specific. Some are more broadly helpful to the body of Christ outside of the EPC, and I think the one that we have today, while it definitely is a, a homegrown EPC ministry, That all of our EPC churches could really benefit from, it is not limited to that and can go beyond that to serve the broader body of Christ. So if you're a pastor today or perhaps an elder or a deacon who cares about your pastor and their well-being, you want to stay tuned for today's edition of In All Things. Just as a little reminder, as you're tuning in, whether you're walking with a friend through the park or whether you're driving to work, whatever is the the chosen way in which you listen to podcasts. Coming up in the near future are some important things in the life of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, none probably larger than our General Assembly. The General Assembly this year will be at Ward EPC Church in Michigan, and it's going to be a full week. It really goes from a Tuesday through a Friday, and early on in the week we have some best practices and plenary speakers that are really designed to help equip the body of Christ uh, for following Jesus. And we have some great speakers this year, uh, internationally known leader in the church by the name of Ed Stetzer, who probably has uh, exegeted church and culture as well or better than anybody. I believe he leads a program for the Billy... Graham School of Evangelism at Wheaton College is uh, just one of the most prolific writers on the church out there today, and he'll be joined by a good friend of his by the name of Jimmy Scroggins. Jimmy is the lead pastor of Family Church in, in the, the Palm Beach area of Southern Florida, and the author of the book "Turning Everyday Conversations into Gospel Conversations," and a means of of evangelism uh, called The Three Circles that is really catching fire across the country. And so we're excited to have Jimmy and Ed together. We're going to have other seminars. Um, Vincent Baycote of Wheaton College and Sandy Wilson, our beloved Sandy, a longtime uh, senior pastor at Second Presbyterian Church in Memphis, are going to be doing a seminar on the difference between Christian nationalism and Christian patriotism which I think will be exceedingly helpful and interesting. And there's all kinds of other things going on at, at our General Assemblies. Andrew Brunson will be there to speak on what the Lord is saying to him and that the American church ought to be hearing. You never want to miss that. So lots of good things, incredible worship, commissioning of missionaries, church planning, there's just so many good things uh, that will be taking place. Beyond just the business of the larger church at the General Assembly, there are so many good, high-value reasons for making the commitment of time to join us at our General Assembly this summer. Well, one of the people who will be at that General Assembly, they always have a space at our GAs, in part because they do such great work, but also because it is a homegrown ministry of the EPC, and because its director actually lives in Detroit, so he doesn't have really any excuse for not being there. Our guest today is Roy Yankee, and Roy is the director of PIR Ministries, Pastors in Residence Ministries, and uh, we're just really excited to have you in the studio today. So Roy, welcome.
2: Thank you, Dean. Appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. So let's start a little bit with what PIR is, then we'll, we'll talk about how you ended up in P-I-R. And you're not a pastor. You're not a a teaching elder, as we call it in the EPC. You're a ruling elder. And God has given you this passion for caring for our pastors and their families, which has led you to P-I-R. But tell us what, first
2: of all, Pastors in Residence is all about. Sure. Chuck Wickman, who was an EPC pastor, founded it a little over 25 years ago. And uh, the core process that he built the ministry around was on the restoration for pastors who had experienced forced exits, and uh, that's what we still do—a big portion of that. Uh, the pastor-in-residence name comes from the pastor-in-residence program that we do in refuge churches, which are local churches that will host a pastoral family who've been through an exit. Along with that, though, learning what we have about the risks of pastoral ministry and what lead to exits. We have developed a lot of preventive kinds of of ministries, coaching, assessment tools, workshops for cultures of ministry health and how to promote those and those kinds of things. So we do a lot of work in that way. But the biggest thing is we're we're relational. So we're here to listen and to walk with pastors uh, wherever they are in their journey, if they're just starting out or if they're ending it, you know, helping them to end well as well.
1: And I think that is. Uh, it, may, it makes perfect sense if this was founded by an EPC pastor, because I think if you you could describe us in a lot of ways to those listening in, what makes the EPC different than all the other Ps out there? Not trying to judge one as good or bad, but I would say one way we define ourselves or describe ourselves is being highly relational. Um, we really value those relationships. Uh, we care deeply about those relationships. We're careful. About those relationships, you know, I always say the, the EPC is that place where you can agree to disagree without being disagreeable. Mm-hmm. Um, I had another pastor, a prominent leader of another Presbyterian denomination, say to me when I refer to you guys to my friends, I call the EPC the Enjoyable Presbyterian Church. <laughs> that's so I don't know if that's always true, but I like that. I'll take it. Sure. Uh, so let's talk. Well, how did you end up in this? Uh, let's, let's let's start there wow. as as a ruling elder. What is it that led you to connect with PIR?
2: I was a pastor for 17 years in another denomination. Okay. Had my own very, very serious crash and burn that took me out of ministry for as long as I was in it.
1: So this is incarnational for you. This comes out of your own pain and experience and having found healing now wanting to help others.
2: Exactly. Wow. Uh, It is an example of uh, the grace of God at a, a huge level in my life, in my family's life, and I hope through the work we do, the work I do with the church, and also a way for God to demonstrate what we believe is a core value, is his ability to redeem pain, not only what we experience ourselves, but even what we inflict on others, mm. uh, which was certainly part of my story. Really it's was- It's never completely
1: one-sided, it is it? It never mean, is. you might go 80, 20, maybe it's 60, 40, but there's mm-hmm. always some part if you do the hard examination, where the blame can land on both sides, at least
2: to some degree. Absolutely, and we always assume that uh, in the work that we do. So we listen well for those kinds of things. And uh, interestingly enough, in an informal process of restoration that took place in my life, uh, ended up at Grace Chapel in Farmington Hills, was there, we've been there for 25 years now, which has now become a campus for Ward Church, just recently. But uh, we experienced a, a, a huge amount of hospitality and grace in our family life. During that process, uh, late in that process, uh, when George Carey was on staff here at the General Assembly office as World Outreach Director, one of my director, favorite
1: people of all times. By yeah, the
2: way, yeah, I met George for breakfast once on uh, one Saturday morning, and he wanted to know my story, so I shared the Reader's Digest version. And he looked across the table from, uh, at me and said, I've got a ministry you need to look into. Apparently, found out later that he knew Chuck Wickman very well and had actually done the pastor-in-residence program in the churches that he served. And so that was my introduction to Pastor-in-Residence Ministries, PIR. Uh, I did not know that the ministry existed. Certainly didn't know about it when I crashed and burned. But um, it resonated. And it, it was a way for the Lord to use my story to help pastors because I can sit across the table from someone who's uh, in a difficult spot or maybe has crashed in burned, and say, look, I, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I know God's not done with you yet. Oh, so a... let's walk together.
1: And just the power of knowing you're not alone, mm-hmm. someone walking alongside of you. I want to come back and drill down on one thing that you just said, because sure. I really think it's seminal. You talked about when you came to Farmington Hills, what you found there was hospitality and how hospitality opens the door to the gospel. It does for evangelism, but it also does for healing. And uh, I, I say this because um, I wasn't aware of PIR ministries, but a number of years ago in the church that I was privileged to serve in Pittsburgh, we had a pastor who was a friend of one of our pastors who uh, left his former denomination in a great deal of pain. Um, it was not a, uh, an easy exit. He made a stand, in his case, he made a stand for biblical values and was shown the door and ended up out on his own, and our congregation took him in. And we had a, a house, and they could stay there for a while because he was in a manse, and we provided for the health care and, and gave him community and he went on from there to, to do some transitional work in a couple of churches, and then he landed in a sweetheart church and just retired in January of that and is just doing marvelously. One of the healthiest people and best pastors I know. Um, and I just, uh, when you said the word hospitality, it made me think of that time when we extended that to that individual. Could you unpack a little bit more about the the role a church can play in providing hospitality for a pastor who may have had a forced exit for whatever reason.
2: Sure, absolutely. That's at the heart of uh, the Refuge Church part of the Pastor-in-Residence program. Churches who may already have in their DNA, like yours, and know what it means to offer hospitality to people and to have that posture among themselves. that there's uh, My former pastor, Doug Walker, used to talk about making room and so churches who can make room in their schedules, their lives, the way they do church for a pastoral family that's been through a tough time is huge. And it's the foundation for the healing that needs to take place. We give those churches some intentional tracks to run on that they may not have had to formalize a process of healing, but it's foundational that the hospitality, the grace, the the. Ability to walk with our family is huge.
1: And I think you just made the connection between hospitality and grace, mm-hmm. right? How can you who have received so much not offer so much, right? We've received so much in the gospel. And in your case, you receive so much in terms of your roadway and pathway of healing that that kind of motivates you to say, I want to give what I have received to others. That's the nature of the gospel, isn't it? I think so. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I was just with another group recently where I was quoting the Barna statistic that is kind of rattling everybody's cage. A few months ago, we were talking about 28%. Now we're talking about 39%, Barna tells us, of pastors who are engaged in full-time ministry are seriously considering walking away. I mean, not just walking away from their church, like we're talking about no longer being in vocational ministry at all, 39%. Is that what you're seeing? And, and what do you think some of the things are, if someone's listening in today, what are the causes of that?
2: We absolutely resonate with that. Uh, it's interesting that Barners research prior to COVID painted a much more rosy picture of pastoral ministry. But what we've seen in the last two years is that now we're really in touch with what's been going on and everything that had happened uh, in pastoral ministry life up to COVID has simply been put on steroids. Yeah. And we have seen that two out of three pastors that we coach are in that category, wow. seriously considering walking away. And uh, the age demographic is across the board on that. I think that the normal stresses of pastoral ministry have been exacerbated there's been so much conflict even in a church that has navigated this time reasonably well pastors have had to deal with the conflicts that have occurred around all those issues that we've all seen yeah. so that's a huge piece
1: i've been, i've described this to people and when i've said this they've all nodded their heads at me is that it it used to be before covid and I contend that COVID hasn't created anything, but it's shown the light on things that were already there and turned up the heat. In other words, I know of a church that was probably going to to expire in about five years. It expired in two. You know, I think it's just it's taken what's there and just intensified it. You know, having said that, I can think of churches where the care of their pastor, the well-being of their pastor, especially commanding in I have a season like this, might not be on the the forefront of their mind and thinking, you know, it used to be that I would tell pastors, you know, if you take a stand for something, like you're, you're going to be openly pro-life. you are got to take a stand for, for being pro-life. You know you're going to get hit from the one side, right? Or if you take a stand for, you know, an issue of uh, racial inequity, you know, you might get hit from one side. Now it seems like, you know, you take a stand on something like masks, <laughs> Or no masks, you get hit from both sides. Or the cultural moments that we're in, you're getting hit from both sides. It, it used to be you knew where the attack was coming from and you could brace yourself and kind of have a coalition to support you. But now it feels like a, the attacks are coming from everywhere. Is that is that
2: accurate? Absolutely. I think social media, without going into all of that, I think social media has certainly created the environment for that, and uh, it's absolutely true. Pastors are facing both sides and. The fact that we uh, have struggled in the evangelical church to help our pastors and our leaders, our ruling elders, understand the nature of conflict and, and know how to fight well, we, we haven't done that. And so when these things have come up, we have no strategy for dealing with them. I
1: never had a seminary class on conflict resolution. <laughs> no, <not> right, <laughs> not Right. Okay. One of the things PIR does is coaching. That's mm-hmm. a big part of the ministry. Talk to a pastor out there, busy pastor who's really overwhelmed with life and everything going on and maybe financially strapped. Why should they have a coach? What's the what's the value of that? Why should that override their objections and, and become something that's a normative part of their
2: well-being? The way we approach coaching is we we look at it as a thinking partner. And so every pastor in in the seasons that they go through in ministry are going to face those challenges or there's questions or issues that are going to come up. And to try to process them by yourself can be a really challenging piece. So uh, having someone to ask the right questions and to listen well and to probe with you about solutions for those things is really important. And it doesn't have to be a crisis, it can just simply be uh, issues of spiritual formation in your own life uh, character. but it can Decisions be, that have to be made. Decisions have uh, to be made.
1: Right, right. And you've got this person whose investment is only in your well-being. have exactly. No political lacks to grind or agenda. And they're there to simply reflect back to you things so that you can see things with maybe a little more objectivity than what you would otherwise on your
2: own. Absolutely. We all need that. Right. And so it's an intentional process uh, along those lines.
1: So let's imagine I have an elder who's listening in or and she or he is hearing this and thinking about their pastor and, you know, 39% number and some of these other tensions going on and coaching. Gosh, my, I never thought about that. What would you say to that elder that you would want them to hear about the care and well-being of their pastor that they should be talking about with their session as a matter of stewardship and care for the amago
2: Dei of that pastor? What would you say to that elder? Be an advocate. Be an advocate for them. Try to understand and, and have a conversation with your pastor about the weight of ministry life and what that really looks like. Because I, don't, I think many of us who are ruling elders, session members, we, we don't understand what pastors carry every day in terms of the ministry work that they do among us. So understand that, have those conversations, be an advocate, and then commit yourself to being a partner in strengthening the leadership relationships. Build the trust that needs to be the foundation for that.
1: Any advice on how to take that first step of advocating? Because if someone comes out of nowhere and says, Pastor, I wanna make sure that you take all your vacation, that could sound like an assault more than the help that was behind it. Is there a, any counsel you would give people on maybe the wise steps to take so that the pastor is, is valued and included and doesn't feel like this is somehow not a threat or something like that?
2: If you can approach a posture of understanding that this person is also a human being and a disciple and a part of the sheep, you have that sense and then you can ask questions rather than approaching it head on, like you questions were saying. Questions
1: are the great disarmers. They isn't are. It, isn't it fascinating how often Jesus did that? It's, you know that? It
2: is. Yeah. It's a great lesson. Yeah. How do you how do you uh, do this? How how are you doing? How are how are you navigating the stresses? Inviting those kinds of conversations are really important. It's a good way to approach it.
1: That's super helpful. So, what else about PIR would you like those listening in to know? either uh, services that you guys provide or things that you think would be important for them to take away from our time together today?
2: Uh, at a presbytery level, we offer uh, this workshop called Cultivating a Culture of Ministry Health. Uh, we've done it in seven Presbyteries so far, eight as of May. Okay. And, uh, You're halfway there. Halfway there. All right. uh, we'd love to do it across the EPC and continue to do it in 2.0s and 3.0s where we can talk about those very things we've just been talking about of creating that culture where life and ministry and leaders flourish in Christ. That's the goal of it, to be catalysts of the conversations that that can happen around that. Certainly we have a lot of other workshops that we can do uh, our staff are all trained in coaching. We can do sabbatical planning for pastors out there who are wondering, how do I really figure this out?" Uh, we have some templates, and we have conversations around that, and we can offer that to pastors uh, for for their the importance of a sabbatical that they need to take
1: that maybe is uh, maybe part two when we visit the next time is talking about sabbaticals because that is something um, I have a, a strong sense that we need to be emphasizing more for our pastors. And, uh, but we'll, we'll visit that one on another day. Sure. So how would people get in touch with PIR if it's a presbytery or a church that wants to reach out to help connect with what you guys offer? How would they reach you?
2: Our website is pirministries.org. On there is a contact sheet uh, that you can submit. We'll get right back in touch with you. You can email me directly if you'd like. Uh, it's roy at pirministries.org. That's probably the best way.
1: And you'll be at the General Assembly, right? We
2: will be, and you can stop by the booth and love to have a conversation with you. So that's another good reason to come to
1: General Assembly this year.
2: Also doing two network lunches, so just... Excellent.
1: Okay, so be sure to sign up for that. Well, Roy, thank you. Been a delight. I know you've been sitting in on our vocational committee, our pastors uh, group that meets here or... Works with the pastors that are here, the Ministerial Vocation Committee. You've been helping them think about the wellness of our pastors and caring for them. And I just appreciate, as a pastor to all these pastors, your pastoral heart for them and their well-being. And I just want to thank you for all that you do and appreciate you being here
2: today. Well, thank you. It's been a privilege. It really has. Thank you, Roy.
1: So I encourage all of you to um, think about and pray about whether you want to be well as a pastor. Um, You know, I'm thinking about that famous quote of Martin Luther's when he says, I'm so busy, I don't have time not to pray. I oftentimes paraphrase that and say, I'm so busy, I don't have time not to rest. And I know I, I work better when I rest well, and when I don't rest well, my work suffers because of it. And uh, if you are like me and that's true for you and you would like some coaching or some help or some resources, or if you're in a situation where your exit from your congregation might have not come in a way in which you would have expected, please, I encourage you to reach out to our friends at PIR Ministries. Roy and his team would love to be able to come alongside of you and look them up when you get to General Assembly this summer. Okay, my friends, that wraps it up for our time together today. As we always do, I want to close with that good word from God's word, that that word might take up residence in your being, and in time that seed would find fertile soil and grow and bear fruit in its season. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things, including pastors and their families, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, for he is the head of the body, the church. To the glory of God alone, my friends, until the next time when we are together, Grace and peace be with you.
0: Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of Dean and the entire team, we hope you will join us for our next episode of In All Things. For more information about the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.